by the way. Mm. Oh, there you go. Yes. What are you drinking? Uh, some silly, like, craft beer. I don't know. I'm not... I don't... I don't drink very well, as, as silly as that sounds. Like, if somebody offered me, like, a Smirnoff ice, I'd be like, oh, yeah, mint. The History in Bolium and Pals Podcast. In association with the historycorner.org. Podcasts, articles, reviews. Greetings. must not get one's knickers in a twist. Hello and welcome to the History Emporium and Powers podcast. I haven't written an intro. I've just realised that. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I, um, I was just going to ad-lib. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the History Emporium and Powers podcast. Now this week we're going to be talking about the anarchy. Now the anarchy is something I know little about, but luckily for me I have... Uh, the resident expert on the show, Chris Riley. So, hi, Chris. Hello, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? I, was, I, I don't know why I came across as so formal. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, man. One is well. <laughs> it's because I've had one sip of beer and my tiny munchkin body can't cope with alcohol, so this might be a fun one. Are you going to cause some anarchy? Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see how fast I get through this. <laughs> good times i um uh there's a few things that i wanted to tell you since we last mm. spoke so um for the listeners they probably know i put a post on instagram and a post on twitter um because i now have a dedicated twitter page if social media wasn't taken over my life already i've even got more things <laughs> to post on um so I got banned from Facebook this uh, this week for 48 hours, and I also had one of my episodes taken down for breaking copyright law. So I've been very naughty this week, um, and social media has not been my friend. So hopefully this episode will not get banned, and we will not break any copyright laws. But yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. Um if anyone wondered why an episode was uploaded, then it disappeared about three times. It's because I was breaking the law. So I am very yeah. sorry about that. Yeah. Um, Just getting into the, the anarchy spirit. Yeah. I mean, I was a, I was born a rebel, so it, it, it was going to happen um, at some stage. But um, it was... It, do you know what? It was actually very stressful because, um, as you know, I'm a, I'm a frontline key, key worker mm. and... Um, so I'm trying to do that and keep everyone safe, but I'm also trying to get this project off the ground, and it was very stressful. But um, yeah, I hadn't been home in days because we uh, we 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 work through the night sometimes. So, um, but alas, I'm at home. I'm not banned from Facebook anymore, and we have the episode back up and running. So it is all good. Awesome. Um, good. I've got more. I've got some little facts for you that I um. I felt like I probably should have brought to different shows, but I completely forgot actually. Um, 
uh, until we'd finished recording. So um, with the with the Stuarts episode, so if we go back to the Stuarts part one. Um, I a little fact my mum actually found mm. in a book, which is exciting. Um, so you know, uh, like pub names. So we have pubs like the White Lion, the 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 White yeah. Hart, the Crown, all that kind of stuff. So. The Red Lion in England is a very popular pub name. Now, I didn't think much of Mm. that at all. But the reason it's a very popular... uh, Popular? A very popular pub name (laughs) is uh, because when James I of England, James VI of Scotland, um, sort of took his crown in uh, England, he wanted to sort of... um, show his dominance, but in quite a subtle way. So it was almost like a branding kind of way. So the red lion actually mm. comes from, um, so not the, the saltire flag that everyone sees with the blue background and the white cross. The the yellow Scottish flag with the red lion, that's with where it comes lion. from. Yeah. Of course. So wow. um, he wanted them to be in public buildings. A lot of people still couldn't oh. read. So where better yeah. than to put, the lion than a pub so mm, everyone would everyone see it gonna go so yeah so wow. james james the first and it's the second most popular pub name in england after the crown i was just about to say what's the most mm. you know what? i don't think there's any i don't know as a crown but i know at least two or three red lions around here yeah we got james um, the first to thank for that one mm, cheers jimmy cheers jimmy yes so my middle name is James, and people called me Jimmy for ages, and I hated it. Absolutely hated oh, really? it. Really? Yeah, really, really irritated me. Because it reminds me of Jimmy Savile, and we don't want to go down that road. Ah. Uh, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. That's one of probably the worst Jimmys. Mm, yeah, we're not yeah. a fan. No. Um, And my second uh, sort of point, my second little fact, uh, this is sort of goes into the Stuarts part two is um so you know we were talking about uh queen anne and um her body kind of fighting pregnancies Mm. um again i was having a conversation with uh my lovely mother yesterday and she actually has the same condition so she has uh rhesus negative blood which will basically turn on a baby and will try and kill it basically because it's a foreign body inside yourself so but mm. it apparently well obviously because i'm alive and she did carry me full term um uh but they she was given uh, uh sort of injections uh as soon as she got pregnant so her body wouldn't fight right. against having myself uh, and my brother um but yeah really interesting that actually something if if Anne was alive today, then actually those pregnancies would have sort of seen the end, I guess. Mm. So yeah, yeah two little two little facts for you on the Stuarts. So I thought I'd just throw them out there. Lovely. Bef- before we get started, I, I love a good I love a good fact. So uh, yeah, thanks for those, mate. They were the quality those. Yeah. So the anarchy is something I know. Mm. Literally nothing about nothing at all. Cool. The only, n- n- so. I, I am your muse in this session. Um, so first of all, I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, do you know mm. what the textbook sort of definition is of the word anarchy? Because it's not a word we it's... use a lot. 
No, and it, and it's funny you should say that because just out of pure curiosity, I, pure coincidence, sorry, I do actually have the dictionary definition of anarchy here. Uh, it means the state of disorder uh, due to a lack of authority, which really does sum up this period that we're going to discuss quite well. Um, the the actual term the anarchy to explain uh, this wasn't applied um, to the period until kind of the like the Victorian times. As with most things medieval, um, they tend to get their names uh, when Victorian historians get hold of them, like uh, Wars of the Roses, uh, the Anarchy, uh, Vikings with horns, all that kind of stuff. But uh, but yeah, there you go. So the definition of anarchy to me sounds a bit like Brexit. I mean, I definitely <laughs> think we could be heading that way. Yeah. Not, not to get too political oh. in minute one. But uh, yeah, no, yeah, definitely. It's, we've definitely uh, suffered from a lack of authority. Yes. Wasn't there was a Sex Pistols song called... Um, yeah. Uh, An- what was it called, Anarchy? Anarchy uh, in the UK. That was Anarchy it. in the UK. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, don't put it at the start of the episode because oh. we'll get copyright banned again. Mm, yes. And I've I've got to remember to put explicit because I... Yeah, because of the content of some of the stuff that I say. Um, yeah, naughty, naughty, Ollie, naughty. Um, I'll be, I'll be banned before we get like proper started. Um, <laughs> anyway, the anarchy. So, um, I guess we'll start at the beginning. So, when, when was the anarchy? So, the anarchy um, was um, a almost a 20-year-long civil war um, fought between 1135 and 1153. Um, so before we kind of delve into what the anarchy is, it's, it's really, really important to set the scene with this one because for me, the more important or the more interesting part of the actual events of the anarchy is what happened before and, and slightly afterwards. Um, okay. Obviously, at this point in history, we are fairly close to the uh, Norman conquest of England of 1066. Everyone know knows that know day, happens. yeah, yeah. We all we all know that little bit, and then it kind of the the they cut this bit out. Ugh. I'm definitely not going to cut it out. Completely <laughs> lost all my words there. Brilliant. No worries. Uh, yeah. So after the after the conquest, people's um, knowledge tends to kind of dissipate a little bit, and then we kind of pick it up again later. Um, but for me, it's a really, really interesting and important uh, period of history. So 1135, we've had we've already had William the Conqueror. We've had his son, uh, William Rufus, uh, William the Second, um, if you uh, like the numbers. Um, and then he was um, replaced, uh, let's say, by his brother uh, Henry. So two of the Conqueror's sons um, had been kings of England. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into a little bit more detail about this in a bit. Um, but yeah, by 1135, Henry dies, no male heir, we have the anarchy. Okay, great. So that sets the scene for some, like a novice like myself, because yeah, hmm. the, 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 the dates, etc., and the people involved, I wasn't too yeah. clued up on. So um, if you could explain uh how how it started and and who it involved further i guess mm. yeah there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of big names and characters in this i've already mentioned a few with like henry the first and and people like that but again before we, before we go into this we, we it's important to have an understanding of the not the not to go too boring but like the political scene at the time so when william the conqueror was uh william the 
first of England and Duke of Normandy and all this, it wasn't common practice to just give everything to your firstborn son, which we are pretty familiar with, especially in, in England and the UK. Um, seeing the the firstborn or the first ch- uh, first son anyway inherit everything. Uh, at this point, it was split up between sons, uh, usually, because um, it wasn't as uh, it wasn't as like fine of an art as it is. Uh, usually, the eldest son would inherit everything that their father inherited. So, in this case, everything William inherited was the Duchy of Normandy. So, his eldest surviving son, um, Robert uh, Robert Curtos, um, on his death, um, received Normandy. Um, the second son, who was William Rufus, would inherit everything that their father had won or claimed or gained over time, i.e. England. So even though England was the... I might upset some... The backwater. Some Normans here, but the the greater prize... (laughs) Oh, okay, sorry. I was going the other way. (laughs) Right, sorry. Purely on on title alone, Mm. king over duke, you know, one one is... more superior to the other. So even though that was the case, um, William became king, um, and Henry, the future Henry the First, just got a load of money um, when his dad died, which I wouldn't say no to, but you know you probably want a little bit of land. But anyway, go uh, let's let's roll forward a little bit. Um, we get to the year um, eleven hundred. Uh, William Rufus has not been a very popular king. Um, he's He's not good. Like, uh, we, let's not, we won't go into it too much. Um, but yeah, he's, he's not doing too well. And he goes on a hunting trip, as is pretty common with with early medieval fellas. Um, and so does his brother Henry. And just so happens, purely coincidentally, that William gets shot with an arrow and is killed instantly. Obviously, it's pure coincidence. And there is absolutely no proof that Henry had absolutely nothing to do with it. <clears throat> I'm, I'm so, not the person to say whether he did or he didn't. Well, do but... you think he did? I'm just putting you on the spot yeah, now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So he was killing his brother off. Yeah, absolutely. Um this is a pretty a pretty rough time, a pretty messy and squabblesome time, so it, it wasn't unheard of. Um but yeah, I think he if he didn't do it himself, he was certainly responsible for the death of his brother William Rufus. But it wasn't with high, with a very objective eye, it wasn't a bad thing. Like I said, William Rufus was not the best king. Um, whereas his brother Henry, who was a very, he was seen as quite like studious and quiet and, you know, probably would have done well in the church, that kind of thing. Mm. Uh, he, he evolved into a, you know, a fairly successful, a very um, authoritarian, strong, legal minded king. Okay. Um, so fast forward a little bit. Um, we get to like the 11, 11 teens. Um, Henry is married to Matilda of Scotland. I love that name. Lovely name. Oh, if you like that name, this is the episode for you because there's at least three of them. Yeah. I just think of the film, you know, when um, Matilda, I don't know if you've seen the film, but when Matilda's like moving mm. all the stuff around, it's like that oh, song. Oh, yeah. On the way, do on the way. Right, I'm going to get in trouble again. Yeah. Do not sing yeah. the real song. <laughs> but you know what I mean. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Great film, great song. So yeah, Mary's Matilda of Scotland, a very, very pious um, woman, was a nun. Um, so there's a little bit of controversy about the um, their marriage, but that comes up later. Anyway, they have a daughter called Matilda, shock. Of course. Um, 
Matilda is then, at the age of eight years old, is shipped off to Germany. Um, she is to marry the future uh, Holy Roman Emperor, uh, who would be Henry V, not our Henry V, not Agincourt Henry V, another one. Um, they get married when he's about 25 and she's 12-ish, which is pretty pretty rough, pretty weird. But mm. at the yeah, quite point. common at the time, yeah. Mm. Um, and they also have a son. Any guesses what, what this guy's called? Henry? The other one. Oh, um, oh, what's his name? You just said it. You literally just said it. That's gone. William. William. There we go. William, yeah. So <laughs> it might get quite confusing this episode because everybody's called William, Henry or Matilda. Um, but yeah, so they have another son. They have a son called uh, William who gets called um, William Adeling or William Aethling. Um they both mean the same thing. They're both kind of like nickname, surname, titles. Uh, essentially, it means like heir to the throne. Because so surnames Aethling... kind of weren't a thing, were they? It's not like you had... Mm, yeah. We're still in the time where people had... Like, people of Viking stock anyway, like the Normans, had uh, nicknames. So, you know, like I've already mentioned Robert Curtos, which is something to do with his um, short legs, as far as I know. Um Obviously, before William the Conqueror was William the Conqueror, he was known as William the Bastard because his parents weren't married. Uh, but yeah, so the term Adeling, which is the kind of Norman French version of Aetheling, um, was his kind of um, nickname. So yeah, William William Atheling, which I prefer to call him, and Matilda is two legitimate kids. This man had a serious problem with promiscuity and he had at least 20 illegitimate kids. What a lad. At least. Absolutely, just, just going about it like no, there's no one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I'm not even married. Woo! Like yeah, pretty. I mean, I mean, people, kids is is not people, a new thing. But. I mean, yeah, it's it's as old as time, and and people still do it mm. now. So I guess it's, um, yeah. But yeah, so he had one son, um, which was. To him, and and as far as we know, his wife was enough. Um, I think, and um, I know historians, not on 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 mass, but tend to agree that one of the reasons he may have decided to stop one son or one legitimate son, anyway, had a bucket load of illegitimate ones, um, was he'd seen what had happened with his father and his brothers, you know, Robert Curtis has already rebelled against his father, against his two brothers. Uh, for context, Robert Curtis spent most of his life in prison in Wales. He lived to be like 80 years old and he spent like 40 of those years in prison because he was, uh, he rebelled against Henry. Um, it's oh, it's quite a sad story, actually. Um, yeah, because surprisingly, he, annoyingly in a way, he just lived so long. He he started Welsh. He, he wrote a lot of Welsh. It's uh, yeah, quite, quite a sad end to a, mm. probably a very powerful man. Um, but yeah, they, so he saw the trauma that had been caused by his his father having several sons, not a boatload of them, just a couple of them, um, and what it had done to his sort of empire, his lands, whatever. So he thought, you know what, I'm having one and that's it. Sticking with that. That's my lot. Everything's going hunky-dory. Matilda's in Germany learning how to be an empress. She's given control over Italy um she's she um rules in in henry's stead uh, by the age of 18 she's already like 
very very politically astute she's um she's she's learning the ways of medieval europe from a very young age um which probably might not have been the case if she'd have married anybody else um henry the fifth the holy roman emperor was dealing with a lot of rebellions issues with the pope um which ironically should have been his best mate being the holy roman emperor but Anybody that knows anything about medieval England and the Holy uh, medieval Europe and the Holy Roman Emperor, you know those two don't tend to get on. Um, but yeah, back in England, um, and at this Normandy is very, very much part of the same sphere. So if I say in England, I usually mean England and Normandy. I just can't be bothered to say it every time. So yeah, back back over in England and Normandy. Um, you William, just said it. I know I did. I know as, as soon as I said it, I'm like, <laughs> he's going to call me out. Um, so yeah, back in Normandy specifically, actually, um, William and his dad, Henry, are fighting um, against Robert Curtos and his son, um, also called William, uh, but this time called William Cleto. And I can't for the life remember, remember me what Cleto means. I'm pretty sure it's similar to Adeling, um, something like, uh, like a you're going to be... Duke or King or Count or something kind of thing. So anyway. some sort of title. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we've got Robert Curtis and William Cleto fighting against Henry the First and um, William Atheling. They win, like I said. Curtis uh, is put in prison. Yada yada yada. Normandy is now under joint control, whereas before it was Henry had England or William had England and then. Henry had to England and Robert Curtis was controlling Normandy. Um, lots and lots of stuff happens to do with like the Crusades and things like that, but I won't digress too much. Basically, on their way back, we're in uh, 11.20 now. On their way back, everyone's like, yep, yeah, sweet, wicked, good day out. You know, smash some skulls, got some land, all, <laughs> all, all wicked, yeah. The, the normal <laughs> so, medieval day out. Absolutely, yeah. It's just like a, 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 a trip to Skipton Castle now. I'd love to go to Skipton Castle, actually. I don't know where Skipton that... Skipton Castle. Do you know, I used to... When I lived in Leeds... Complete digression. Mm. When I used oh, to live yeah, in Leeds, course, yeah. I um, I used to work for this company uh, and we used to have to do, like, cold calling and we'd have, to, we'd have to say that we are the company name, part of Skipton Building Society, like, constantly. Um mm. So Skipton will always have a really irritating ring in my brain, but I'm sure it's lovely, and I will go back there with more open eyes. Skip- yeah, Skipton is lovely, and Skipton Castle is great. But yeah, normal medieval day out, all's well that ends well. Let's go back over to England. At this point, the sea is like the scariest thing in the world. Everyone is scared of the. But he can swim. But crossing the um, the channel tu- uh, the channel tunnel that wasn't built yet, Chris. Come on, <laughs> <mate>. um, <laughs> that's a lot further down the line. <laughs> I've had a beer, sorry. Um, so yeah, crossing the channel was a pretty regular thing to do. It's important to think of it as like a motorway rather than a barrier. It was very very common as as most of the lords in England also had land in Normandy, so they were travelling to and from regularly. Henry, King of England, Henry the First, is like, right, let's go home. This dude comes up to him and he's like, hello, Mr. Henry, King, Mr. Henry. Wow, 
I'm really, really, this is hitting me instantly, isn't it? Wow. I'm loving, no, we should. Is this the episode you wanted? We should do this more. This is more than what I wanted. Continue. Good. Right. So, Mr. Henry. Mr. Henry, King of England and Normandy. Good day, sir. Hello. Meets this chap on the dock. And he's like, I made, I cap, my dad captained the boat that took your dad over to England when he conquered. And I've got a ship. And I'd like you to go on my ship, just like my dad and your dad. How nice would that be? Henry's like, not really for me, mate. I've got my own. I've already kind of made plans. But that ship is really nice. This ship's called the White Ship. Um, it's usually followed by another word, but if I say the other word, it kind of gives away what's going to happen. Okay. Um, but so Henry's like, your ship's mint, really, really nice, big old white ship. You can fit about 300 people on it. Um, I've got a son. I'll let him take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's like, William, come here. Do you want to go on this with all your mates? He's like, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. So William and all his mates, cause he's, a, he's only a teenager at this point. Um, he's like, right, we'll get on this big old party boy boat as such you know like a booze cruise over to amsterdam kind of thing we do yeah 18 Um, to 30s holiday absolutely yeah yeah um he gets on with all his mates there's his half brothers and his half sisters because everyone's related anyway but because his dad had so many illegitimate kids all of his mates are also all of his half brothers and sisters um so he's there um, all his friends are there everyone's getting drunk the crew's getting drunk shoo away some priests that are some uh, monks, sorry, that are coming to like uh, bless the ship because, like I said, everyone's scared of the sea at this point, so it's a very scary. To be fair, and a scary thing to do. The sea is terrifying. Mm. Oh, agreed. The volume. 100%. I hate the, the sea. Yeah, the volume of water in comparison to the volume of land is just terrifying. I mean, I've I've been mm. on uh, many a ferry between Calais and Dover, and. Um, yeah, I mean, that's like a, what, 30 miles? Nothing. It's, um, mm. it can get really, yeah, exactly. like, um, grim out there, definitely. Mm. Yeah. So, I'm not painting the nicest of pictures, am I? <laughs> I I'm not really setting this up for a nice little uh, voyage over to, uh, to the south coast. But um, the night progresses. Um, Henry the First has already gone at this point. He's gone with a section of his entourage. And William and his friends are getting drunker and drunker to the point where one of his friends, Stephen of Blois, who's also his cousin, um, the reports were a bit sketchy. They don't know if he had upset stomach or he was scared or he was too drunk. But either way, he got off and didn't travel on the white ship. So everybody's drunk. There's not, it's, not been, it's not been like religiously blessed. The crew are, just like me, absolutely fine. Um, I'll be drunk. Um, all's not looking well. It's late on in the, in the evening, you know, early, early night time. Yeah. They're, they're desperate to catch up now with, with Henry. Uh, it's a bit of a race, like, let's catch him up. Let's get the old man. Let's, let's beat him back to England. So they're like, you know, spurring the crew on. It's still a party atmosphere on this boat. Everything, everything's going swimmingly, pardon the pun. <laughs> and they're leaving <laughs> terrible pun to make with what I'm about to say um, they're leaving uh, Barfleur which was the kind of uh, port of choice um, for crossing 
and still visible today and it's still there now um there is a like an outcrop just on the the, the side of the port as you're coming out uh like a uh, some like submerged rocks well-known landmark everybody knew about it everybody knows about it kind of thing um but on this night they were drunk like i said the crew were not paying attention and they just smashed straight into these rocks Ugh. Which is obviously terrible. Um, it's the middle of uh, winter, so it's cold. Surprisingly, the sea is super calm. There is no storm, there's no wind, there's no nothing. So everything should have been plain sailing. But it wasn't. Um, the ship, uh, the white ship disaster, as it's now known as, uh, now known as sorry, is um, everybody's tipped in the sea. Uh, everybody's drowning because no one can swim. Uh, William, the uh, the heir to the throne, uh, William Atheling, gets on a the one lifeboat that they have. He's seen um, rowing away or being rowed away as he sees his half-sister in the water drowning. He tries to get her, starts climbing on the boat. The boat gets tipped and um, William Atheling is drowned along with 299 other people. Wow. Um, yeah. Only one person makes it, and he um, basically Henry gets back to England, kind of looking over to see like where is he? Where's my son? Where's where's all of my extended family and lords? Um, a couple of days, a couple of days later, finally they pluck up the courage because they they found out at this point they haven't told Henry. They send a little boy in to tell him because uh, they knew that he wouldn't hurt this little kid. Um, and he breaks down into tears. He's completely uncontrollable. He's in, inconsolable. Um, he's lost a son. He's lost illegitimate. He's lost like illegitimate daughters and sons and nephews and bro- and you know friends and family. And it's a te- it's an absolute travesty for the um, nobility of England uh, and Normandy. Um, but it, it uh, importantly it robs England and Normandy of its of its heir, um, and it leaves just one one child which is Matilda who is obviously Holy Roman Empress um, she was never really an option um, based purely on gender I was going to um, say is that because she's a woman yeah yeah absolutely there is there is no other reason other than the fact that she's a woman um, it's it's really as simple as that um, she was Holy Roman Empress she was probably one of the most if not the most powerful women in Europe and yet nah Still not. Still yeah. not a valid option. Not, not Ed, for us, no. We cannot not possibly much, have a woman in charge. Absolutely, Absolutely not. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the scene really set uh, with the white ship disaster. Um, and so you have these characters that I've mentioned. You have Matilda, obviously the Empress Matilda, um, who it's, it gets, it's a pretty rough few years for her because in 1118, so just before the white ship disaster, her mum dies so Matilda of Scotland dies. Um, she doesn't get a chance to get back to see her. She's still in, in Europe. Um, then two years later, as we've just mentioned, her brother dies, along with a lot of her extended family and friends. And then a couple of years later, in 1125, uh, her husband dies, Henry V. Oh, that's dies been what rough. We assume, yeah, what you assume was... Um, their marriage yield any children, uh, unfortunately, so... There was no immediate grandson of Henry to latch onto. Um, but at this point, he was like, you know what? Matilda's my heir. 
and I'm going to get everybody to swear that. And everybody did. Um, everybody was like, yep, yeah, we're happy. Um, Matilda will be, will be queen one day. <clears throat> and yeah, so then he orchestrates another marriage for her. Uh, this time the, turns are, the tables are turned a little bit where she marries a child. Uh, she marries the uh, 14-year-old uh, Geoffrey of Anjou, who is a, a usually a, an enemy of the Normans because uh, Anjou and Maine, which he controlled, was is stuck right next to Normandy and therefore they were kicking off at each other quite a lot. Yeah, so can I just interject there? So we just... Mm. Um, so the geography uh, of France obviously is very different to what it is now. So um, it was sort of like a, a section of um, uh, lands, not not like the united mm. France that we see to this day. So Normandy was, was, was a place and then you've got... Um, Anjou, the ne- like next to it, and and yeah, so it kind of like counties. That's kind yeah, of how I visualized yeah. it. Um, okay, so their immediate neighbours, which are now in like United France, would have been enemies yes. at the time. Okay, mm. yeah, France is a it's a difficult concept for us to kind of imagine because well, obviously we just see France as another country now, but. For for much of its medieval history, France was a collection of counties and duchies, and you know you've played you've got like Aquitaine, Normandy, Anjou, Maine, Brittany. I love that all... word, Anjou. Anjou, it's lovely, isn't it? Anjou. Um, yeah. And then you've got places Sorry. like Champ. No, no, it's fine. You've got like um, Blois and Champ Champagne, um, that are all the pretty much completely independent from the king of the Franks, when he still wasn't known as king of the French. Uh, it wasn't until um, Philip II Augustus, so the kind of a late 1190s where he was styled as king of the French. He was still king of the Franks at this point. But directly, the French kings only controlled the area around Paris, the uh, the, the Ile-de-France, as it's called, the Ile-de-France. I don't know, my French is absolutely atrocious. And the only reason I've tried that it's because I'm half a cannon. It's um, um, it's a lot better than mine. Merci. Um, <laughs> Bonsoir. <laughs> sorry, listeners. I'm really sorry. Um, but yeah, I all, all you wanted on a Friday night was a uh, a Northern Yorkshire chap trying to speak in French. Yeah, there'll be there'll be more of that coming if, uh, if oh, I finish no, any more keep, of these beers. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. So. Uh, yeah, so they've sworn allegiance to Matilda mm. um, yeah. on her father's orders. She is now married to a child, potentially, um, to yeah. a warring, or, or what would have been a enemy of the um, like Normandy. Yeah. Um, okay, mm. right, I've got you. Yeah. So we'll we'll try and fast forward because there's a lot to get through here but yeah so let's let's get through to about 11:35 which is obviously where this the anarchy starts up oh, since the marry of marriage sorry of Geoffrey uh, and Matilda in 11:27 um things haven't been great first of all they don't really get on mm. she's 25 26 he's a 14 year old um so they've probably not got them in common they kind of separate for a while, um, but this is after all of the, uh, a lot of the leading lords and barons in Normandy and England have kind of gone, I don't want our future queen married to some Angevin. 
Like, we don't like this guy, you know. But So by 11.35, it's not the best situation. Um, and right at the end of Henry the First Live, he has a massive falling out with Matilda and Geoffrey, who are now back on speaking terms. Uh, there's basically a little bit of a rebellion. Geoffrey kind of says, look, you've promised Matilda all this stuff in her dowry. Basically, it's mine. Like all these castles in Normandy. And he's like, no, not yet. Wait till I die, essentially, which surprisingly happens in 1135. Um, do you know how Henry I died? He's not, is he not the one with the arrow in the eye? Is that someone completely different? No, that's no, that, not that's, him. That's Harold Godwinson. Okay. <laughs> um, no, are, I don't know how he dies. No, no. Cool. It's, it's one of those like famous um, medieval deaths. It's one of my favourites, if that's the most macabre thing I've said so far today. Um, basically, the rumour goes that he ate too many lampreys, which, for those that don't know, are just fancy eels. They were like a medieval delicacy that we don't really know what they were or the, other than fancy eels, but he just ate so much of them that they, like, poisoned his insides and he just died. Hey, well, at least he died doing what he loved, I guess. Yeah. He really did, because he really did like to eat uh, old Henry. But yeah, so, so we've I. got a dead king. Yeah, same. It's all I've done in lockdown. Mm, yeah, um, I need a crane to take me out soon. <laughs> I can just yeah, roll you down so, the hill to work. Yeah, well, we're in Hertfordshire, so it's quite flat, so there are no hills. So I've got no, um, I've got no gravitational pull there. Um, so we're at 11.35. So 11.35 is when the anarchy begins. Yes? yes. Okay. So, yes. fill me in with the details of the anarchy. Mm. So, yeah. So, like I said, we've got Matilda as the heir apparent. Obviously, goes against what the the norms were. So, there were people that were like, nah, not really sure this is the right thing. Um, but, he, you know, after this argument that they had, it was a little bit... Every, a, lot of was, a lot was left unsaid between uh, Henry and Matilda. So... People weren't really sure what was going to happen. And then this boy comes in. Boy, he was a man. And this chap comes in, who I mentioned previously, uh, Stephen of Blois, who was Matilda's cousin, uh, the nephew of Henry I. He literally comes slithering in, gets straight over to England, where his brother is the Bishop of Winchester. Guess what his name is? Don't make me guess. Is it William? I mean, it, no, it's, it's Henry. It's, it's Henry. Yeah, yeah. So his brother Henry. <laughs> I've got it wrong <laughs> twice. Um, it's fine. So he's slithered in it's like fine. an eel, right? Got you. Yes, like a lamprey. Yeah. Yeah. He slithers in, meets his brother, Bishop of Winchester, very very powerful um, member of the clergy. Uh, they get to Winchester. Uh, they get the royal treasury because uh, Winchester at this point is still a very very important city. It's still basically the capital of England. Um, whereas London is the capital, but Winchester's the seat. Uh, um, yeah, so they get the um, they get him crowned pretty much straight away, and he crowned King Stephen of England and Duke of Normandy. King Stephen, okay, I know this chap. Mm. Yeah, so he's. I don't like King Stephen. Okay, I'm going to try and be as objective as possible as I should be. Boo to Stephen, a historian, but. I'm not a big fan of, of Steve. He's he's not on my list of people I would have on my um, hypothetical dinner party table. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah. So obviously, this is quite in. But Matilda's not doing very well. She is dealing with terrible issues to do with pregnancy. She had a son in 1133 called... Oh, well, it's got to be um, Henry, hasn't it? It is Henry! Yes! <laughs> you got it right, yeah. So, yeah, so she has a son called Henry um, in 1133, and then her second pregnancy uh, doesn't go very well. She obviously survives, but it's very touch and go. So for oh. the... Um, yeah, it's really sad. Um, but again, it shows the the wonders of, of modern medicine and how things weren't always as, as safe, especially childbirth, which is, as we all know, um, historically a very dangerous uh, thing for women to take part in. Um, but yeah, she she gets out of it okay, and um, she's got the brood of children growing. And 1135, she doesn't really make much of a claim, which kind of, for a lot of people, it shows, well, she's not really that bothered. So the Stephen guy's all right. I mean, he's a bloke, so that's decent. Um, he has a penis. Hurrah. <laughs> exactly one of the very few prerequisites um to to rule in 12th century mm. england was to have a penis yeah um but yeah anyway um by 1139 so a couple of years after um stephen has had a very very shaky start to his reign as england um the welsh have uh, rebelled um, and most importantly, the Scots under King David I, who is also Matilda's uncle, because remember that her mother was Matilda of Scotland. Oh God, they are, they're all related, um, aren't they? Yeah. Um, by the way, the reason Henry married Matilda of Scotland is because she could trace her ancestry back to Alfred the Great. So it nicely tied a bow on the Norman conquest of England. Um even though they were very, very loosely related to everybody, anyway, it was nice. Uh, that's that's why they that's why they were married. Anyway, David the First invades, gets all the way down to Yorkshire. Things aren't going too well. So by this time, uh, Matilda's thinking about launching an invasion, but she still hasn't got much support um, until her half brother, um, Robert of Gloucester, so son of an ex-king. Never made a play for the crown, ever. Um, he was seen by contemporaries and, and historians since as not the man to lead, but very much a loyal follower. Um, and he believed very much in his in his sister's cause. But anyway, so 1138, I'll go back slightly. Um, David I, who has been ravaging North, North England, you know, really um, Stephen on his heels... Um, is defeated uh, at the Battle of the Standard in August 1138 um, in North Allerton in Yorkshire. Um, I've been to North Allerton, yes. Never knew knew there was a battle there, but yep. Yeah, the Battle of the Standard, and it's called the Battle of the Standard is because they had a giant cross that was their standard. That's it. That's the only reason it's called that. Fair. Um, But yeah, so... David's beaten back, um, which kind of puts an end to the this rebellion. Um, fast forward a little bit, 1113. Uh, Matilda lands in the south, um, and she is allowed, in a sense, to to make a base um, in Arundel Castle. And she was allowed to by her stepmother. 
because Henry I, in an attempt to have a son, remarried um, old Adeliza, who was a mere teenager when they got married, obviously. Surprise. Um, exactly. Um, but she was still very, very fond of, of Matilda. And, yeah, it's all good. Come in. Um, make, you, make your base here. Um, and for the next sort of six months to a year, her, uh, her brother Robert and a chap called Miles of Gloucester, who was um, the Earl of Hereford, another leading lord um, in and around the southwest, they managed to like carve out most of the southwest of England uh, for Matilda, who at this point was still styling herself as Emperor Matilda. She, she never dropped the, the, the title, even though she was at best a dowager empress. Uh, she was um, she was very much holding on to that title. Good for her. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, she was... Um, I'm a big fan of Matilda. I recently wrote a, uh, a piece on Matilda. Um, it's good to check it out. What, um, um, what website would that be? It's on uh, A Little Insight, which is a blog um, that... You can find them on Instagram at a little insight. That's not what I thought you were going to say, but okay, no, yes, go and check it them out. As my well. own website, which is thehistorycorner.org, which, which you got out. plugged the hell out of in my last yes. episode with Paddy. Thank you, Paddy. I, I forgot to say thank you for plugging the living shit out of that website. Thank you. Um, anyway, where were we? Uh, yes, so Matilda. Matilda is in the castle. She has yeah. um, been put up by her brother yeah so her and robert are doing a wicked job of getting the southwest around like bristol and gloucestershire around there uh, on side um and things aren't looking too great for stephen more and more of his um nobles are moving over to matilda uh, which obviously isn't great um as with a lot of these kind of civil war conflicts there's a lot of people that stay neutral um kind of wait for the the chip, the um, the cards to fall, or whatever that phrase is. Um, yeah, what to see who's going to win, and then they'll yeah, go on yeah, their absolutely. side. Mm, yeah, I know yeah. a lot of football fans um, like that as well. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, but um, yeah, because remember they'd all already sworn allegiance to Matilda in the eleven twenties. But as soon as Stephen appeared, they were all like, "No, nah, I didn't say that. What was it? <laughs> that was that was the other Henry." Liars. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so they started to kind of change sides. Uh, another person that she really tried to get on side was the Pope. Obviously, the Pope is still the Pope, and the Pope is very important at this point. Um, and there was kind of like a, a an ecclesiastical inquiry into Stephen's kind of usurpation, if you see it that way. And the Pope was very... He did sit on the fence, but he sat on Stephen's side of the fence. He basically went, look, I'm not really going to get involved. Stephen's the anointed king. We ain't going to mess with that. Um, but this did plant some seeds of doubt in a lot of his followers because, you know, well, the Pope's thinking about it. Maybe we should think about it. Mm. Yes. Things are going pretty well. Okay. Things are going pretty well for Matilda, which is good, which we, we like, uh, but objectively. Uh, anyway, so the first... Well, first, before we actually go into that, it's important to remember it, that at this point, warfare and conflict is very risky and meeting an, uh, an opponent or a, an enemy in in the open field it kind of hangs in the balance you know my boys against your boys you know whether it's thousand on ten thousand or whatever it is anything can cause anything to happen and the outcome isn't set 
So they relied very much on sieges. It's um, like um, I'm just cutting in. Sorry, I'm just I'm just trying to compare it, it to to terminology that I will understand. Um, so you like when you were at school and someone would start a fight and there'd be. Mm. Uh, like everyone would kind of gather, wouldn't they? And then it gathered pace. Yeah. Like fight, 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 and no one knew what was going to happen. And it would be like, yep. I've got my gang, and they've got your gang. I'm in my school. It was. It tended to be uh, uh, two sets of 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 teenage girls, which mm. would fight. But um, I I yeah. guess it's it's the same kind of thing. You wouldn't know what was going to happen in that the field or behind the bike shed to wherever it was. Do you know what I mean? Um, Yeah, no, absolutely. So that's, that's my comparison for um, the, the dim witted Ollie that doesn't know much about the medieval period. (laughs) No, you're spot on. I mean, it's, you know, say you've got a thousand men and, and they've got a thousand men and one bad thing happens, you know, there's a small hill on one side that you didn't know, or like, your cavalry hits the wrong part of the line, anything can happen and your entire army and therefore your entire, um, you know, machine, war, like you, your ability to wage war is gone. Um, mm. So they relied heavily on sieges and castles. And, you know, the Normans started building castles in sort of the, um, the 10th and 11th century. So just before the conquest, and that's why we have things like the Tower of London, you know, the Mott and Bailey castles that kind of dot the landscape of, of Britain and northern France. Yeah. Because sieges were important. And throughout this period, um, the absolute breakdown of law and order, by the way, that's why it's called the anarchy. Absolutely terrible time to be alive, probably. Nobody had full control. Stephen had a bit of control in the north. Tilda had a bit of control in the south. People were just grabbing land. Local lands were sorting disputes out on their own, like, oh, that's my bit of land. No, it's my bit of land. You know, there was, you know, there was three earls of Chester and things like that. Like, so it's like there was there was too many there was too many chiefs basically at the top, and everyone was kind of having their say, and yeah, no one was kind of in charge. There was many people yeah. in charge, or yeah. everyone liked um, to think they were in charge. Yeah. Um, one one quote I really like from um, some of the chroniclers at the time to describe the period. It wasn't known as the anarchy. It was, but it. One of the um, chroniclers says that um, Christ and his saints were asleep, i.e., God had turned his back on England, and there was no overarching control over what was going on. That's how that's how bad it was, and that's how mm. how kind of dark it seemed. Yeah, that's uh, so really yeah, that's a this... really poignant quote as well. I mm. like that. Um, it probably felt very much like the end of the world, mm. um, which was a very, very common theme in post-conquest England and, and France, The this impending idea of um, the, the second coming. Just um, need to lighten up, doesn't they, these medieval yeah, traps? Just, I'd say I'd say have a drink, but that's not doing me very well tonight, is it? No, I um, really, <laughs> I'm really enjoying this episode. Please... Please Good. continue. Uh-huh. Whatever, whatever you're doing. Well, yeah. Well, they, <laughs> no, they will. They they know what to expect yeah. when we're together now. So, yeah, yeah. And so, if it is bad, please comment to Chris and not to me. Thank yeah. you. you. You know how this feedback goes. Mm-hmm. I, I take the slack. I take the flack. Ollie gets the slack. Uh, it's good that I might use that again. Um, this is your tagline. Your new tagline. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, so we've got this very tentative siege situation going on where people are taking castles and just holding them. Uh, and anybody that knows anything about sieges and castles is they're long and expensive. So we get to um, early 1141. Um, things aren't really moving much um, other than the fact that the entire country is in chaos. Um, and Stephen, King Stephen, is laying siege to Lincoln. Another very important uh, city at the time. It was a obviously it has the cathedral. It's a beautiful um, city. If anyone's mm, not been, they should definitely go. It's definitely worth going. Mm, to, I had one of the nicest. Yeah, I had one of the nicest um, coffees. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, no, I had a coffee and cream tea, which was a very strange combination, but it was very nice, <laughs> and it was um, it was one of the best. So yeah, mm. just go to Lincoln yeah. for that reason. Lots of hills though, be prepared. Mm. Lincoln's lovely and it's got one of the copies of the Magna Carta which might be Yes, I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, Stephen laying siege to Lincoln and Robert of Gloucester cuz again, Matilda is a woman. She can't lead men in in battle. Um even though she spent her entire and probably understands warfare better than most. Um, Robert of Gloucester was her battlefield commander. So we have the, on the 2nd of February, we have the Battle of Lincoln, which isn't a battle that we know too much about. Obviously, this is almost a thousand years ago. So, you know, we've got no, we've not got many eyewitness accounts. Mm. But what we do know is Stephen was beaten uh even though he reportedly fought very bravely very well he was a very as much as i'll paint him in a bad light and most people will paint him in a bad light he was a very brave soldier a pretty decent tactician um and you know he was henry the first favorite he was so he, he didn't become a favorite by being meek and mild even though he couldn't give his own um pre-battle speech he handed it off to one of his friends because uh, he wasn't very good at public speaking. Um, but yeah, so the superior cavalry of the uh, army, as we'll call it, um, was able to um, rout the um, army of Stephen, which was basically a lot of both their armies, but mainly Stephen's was made up of um, mercenary low countries, so like Belgium and like the Netherlands. Um, they were led by a man called uh, William of Ypres, um, another William, obviously. Uh, <laughs> it's been a while since I've said William or Henry, hasn't it? Um, but yeah, so amazing victory for the uh, Matilda cause. Uh, Stephen is marched in change to in change chains, not change. He didn't just have a bag of tempies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's marched to Bristol, um, which has become the kind of the seat of Matilda's power. Um, so yeah, at this point. It's all coming up Matilda House, which is a weird Simpsons reference for you. Um, it's all coming up Mill House, um, which, you know, I think if you if you told anybody at this, if I just stopped at this point, you'd think, well, obviously Matilda's going to win, right? I'm assuming that's where you're thinking this is well, going. Well, yeah, no, I'm, I'm sort of girl power. Mm, absolutely. Um, but I'm, point, I'm guessing you're going to tell me that it doesn't. We'll get there. We'll okay. get there. Um, so just as things are getting worse for Stephen, it gets even worse when his brother, 
Henry of Winchester, the bishop, um, decides to defect to Matilda's cause, um, which is massive for um, the, the uh, for Matilda's cause because a he's a powerful politician and clergyman, but he's also the king's brother, which you know it shows how people lost faith in Stephen. Um, and it's at this point that she's like, right, I'm I'm going to get crowned. I'm going to become, you know, queen. But they're like, no, no, we'll get ahead of us, ourselves. And Henry of Winchester basically says, let's cue Lady of the English for now. So that's your title, Lady of the English. <laughs> they're all like, yeah, okay. yeah, don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll sort this out later, don't worry. But right now, let's make you Lady of the English, which I think is a very nice title, but it's also really passive-aggressive, isn't it? Mm. Um, I mean, I'd quite like that title. Yeah, I, I wouldn't turn my nose up at it. Um, but... Paused massively. Um, yeah, so Lady of the English, still uncrowned. Stephen in chains, things all looking up now. She goes, well, I need to get crowned. And when crowned, I get crowned in Westminster Abbey. So off we go to London. Gets to London. And then everybody just decides this is a terrible idea. The mob and Henry of Winchester and a lot of the uh, more important men in London just go, you know what? I can't deal with this queen stuff. I can't do it. I just can't do it. I can't have a queen. Why would we do that? Why did we ever think this was a good idea? And they basically just chase Matilda out of London. Um, a really, really important person at this point is Stephen's wife. And you will never guess what her name is. Matilda? It's Matilda, yeah. So Queen Matilda, which is very confusing. That's why I've only just mentioned her now. Okay. Was basically the only reason that Stephen's cause was kept alive. Uh, he's in prison in Bristol. And she's orchestrating this movement in London to kick this this woman you know who is she who is she um get her kicked out my husband's the king and i am his queen um and if, you know henry of winchester shock changes sides again goes back to his brother so um matilda and her forces robert of gloucester and um all her merry band of, of rebels uh, lay siege to winchester um and they're very very quick uh, quickly um, kind of aged themselves and they have to escape um, which they then leave to Oxford and they kind of get themselves hunkered down in Oxford and they are then sieged again um, by William of Ypres and um, Stephen's wife Matilda and their army and it gets to the point where Matilda has to decide she's like well I either get captured myself or I, you know, live to fight another day and I escape. And in the middle of winter, uh, just around Christmas time uh, of 1142 at this point, um, she escapes the castle at Oxford, um, crosses a frozen river in just her, like, nightdress. She wears, like, a white, uh, like, shirt dress to camouflage her against the snow. That's quite symbolic, uh, isn't it? Mm, it's, um, it's a very, very... It shows how brave of a woman that Matilda was, mm. that she believed so much in her cause that she was like, no, I'm not, I'm not dying here. I'm paraded through London as a prisoner of war. I'm going to live to fight another day. Um, but while all this is happening, Robert of Gloucester gets captured. Yeah. And Robert of Gloucester is her kind of key 
to a military victory. So between her and her queenly counterpart, Matilda, um, they basically come to the agreement to, to trade uh, prisoners, trade Stephen for Robert of Gloucester, which to most would seem a pretty unfair deal. And I'm sure Robert of Gloucester was like, no, don't do this. I'm happy. Just, just keep him. But anyway, he <laughs> is, he's freed. And then there's just a level of, you know, there's a stalemate um, after this. Stephen is back on the throne. Uh, he, he's not doing well. Like I said, he's not a very, he's not the most popular king. He's, he's still not got control over the country. You know, he's promising things he can't keep. Um, but Matilda kind of limps back to Normandy, where her husband, Geoffrey, has been very busy. And he's basically captured the whole of Normandy, um, where he basically has his son, Henry, um, who was born in 1103, um, made Duke of Normandy. Um, so technically, it's now separate again from England, even though eventually it becomes part of it again. Um but yeah, so we have Matilda back in Normandy and, and Anjou in Maine. Um, Henry, the young Fitz Empress, uh, Henry Fitz Empress, he took that surname or nickname, whatever you want to call it. Um, probably not so much because he just loved his mum so much that he, he thought she deserved it. Probably because it's like, well, if I'm ever going to be king of anything, I should probably hang my hat on my granddad, um, yeah. being Henry the First. Um but yeah, as a, as a young teenager, he starts to like take up the reins and um, he very quickly gathers an army, uh, invests, that fails, limps back to Normandy. And then again, um, in 1152, he invades again. Um, and at this point, Stephen is just sick and tired of fighting. Sick and tired of defending his lands from, you know, from Matilda, from the Welsh, from the Scots, from his, this kid, Henry. He's like, I've already got my son. I've got you. You know, Eustace will be king. Everything's fine. He tried to get Eustace crowned in his life, in his lifetime, but that didn't happen. But he's like, yeah, don't worry. And then Henry, uh, Henry Fitz Empress invades and they, he's like, right, look, we'll just come to some kind of agreement because we can't keep doing this. And basically they agree that Stephen will continue to be king for the rest of his life. Um, but Henry would be his heir. So eventually, unless Henry died, the correct line of succession, if you you know believe in that, would then be restored through Henry. As far as though Eustace, the, the son of Stephen, was probably pretty bothered about it. And I think he did try and um, take the fight to Henry, but um, he... He suddenly died himself in uh, kind of late eleven fifty three, eleven fifty four. So Stephen's son was cut out of it completely. Yeah, just completely cut out of it. But then he died. Um, but then he died. So Under what circumstances? Quite... Like because um, I've got this no, image was, in my head. He just got. There was no arrow in the in the oh, forest okay. on a hunting trip this time. I'm pretty sure he died of illness. Um, but then poison. Just after, maybe, maybe. Um, but just after Eustace's death, Stephen died in 1154. Oh, um, he was okay. he was an old bloke. He was he was in his 60s, I think, at this point. And he, and that you know, is old England for that for, um, yeah. period of time, isn't yeah, it? He, he'd done fairly well. Um, he'd he'd ruled England for a for a very traumatic 20 years, and it 
was probably quite a bittersweet moment for Matilda, who had spent, you know, two decades of her life fighting for what was truly her right, her birthright. Um, she got nothing for very little through her husband. Um, quite rightly, obviously, she was Countess of Anjou and Maine. Um, she was essentially ran Normandy for Henry, um, but Henry became of England as Henry II. So was Matilda happy with this decision? Because it's almost like she did all this sort of mm. putting herself out there and then all of a sudden this deal is made and she's kind of like, oh, okay, okay that's fine, it will go to my son. Mm. I mean, I don't want to put words in Matilda's mouth, but I think she was probably quite happy because her son, um, therefore her father's grandson was on the throne obviously she still believed in her right to be queen but it was very obvious after the siege of oxford and the capture of robert who by the way died um in 1147 causes very sad for everyone um on his death there was no real way that she was ever going to be queen you know obviously they'd already tried to crown her and it just went so horribly wrong they kind of just have to accept that the best they were going to do was Henry. Um, so I guess in her eyes, it was the line of succession was in the right family at least, and it was going down the yeah. right route with her yeah, son absolutely. rather than her. Okay, so it was yeah, okay. Um, but to to put into context how how much of a second kind of second place Matilda always was. Her tombstone reads, she was buried in uh, Beck Abbey in Normandy. Uh, she died in 1167. Um, her tombstone reads, it's a, it's a very nice passage, but if you read it again, you're like, oh yeah, that's really quite unfair. So it says, great by birth, greater by marriage, greatest inner offspring. Here lies the daughter, wife, and mother of Henry. Which I think is really well, really well written. It's really poetic and it's lovely. But then you're like, great by birth, Okay, whatever. Great by marriage. I mean, unfair. Just, mm. Greatest in her offspring. Well, I mean, te- yeah, her son was king and everything, but what about her? She was S- empress. Yeah, so it's basically uh, sort of applauding everyone around her apart from yeah. her. You see that quite a lot on um, sort of tombstones in the sort of Stuart period kind of onwards to sort of the, mm. the Georgian. It's... it's is nothing about the actual person that's sitting in the grave. It's about um, the person that like erected the monument. It's like here lies whoever. Um, this tombstone was paid for by, and then it would have like a list of like what the person who bought it did, mm. rather than the person Very that was strange. Yeah, really bizarre. Um, mm. So. After so that that was that was the end of the anarchy after yes. the um the deal was kind of made between Stephen and Matilda and her family. Um, mm. That's really interesting. So she eventually, I guess, her family gained control, but it was yeah, just a really her... roundabout way of doing it. Mm. Yeah, because her marriage to. Uh, Geoffrey of Anjou. Obviously, I've said the word Angevin. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Angevin Empire. I haven't, actually, no, no. So, the Angevin Empire was the 
creation of well the it was created through the marriage of Henry the Second of England, so Henry Fitz Empress and probably my favorite historical character ever, uh, Eleanor of Aquitaine, who was the previous wife to the French king. They got divorced on grounds of consanguinity, which means they were too closely related. Ironically, she was closely, more closely related to Henry II, whatever. Basically, um, they couldn't produce a son. So um, Eleanor was like, nah, I'm done. I need to find a, a man that can, you know, do his duty as such. So mm. she marries this, this young, um, soon-to-be king. And at the point where Henry becomes England in 1154, um, Eleanor and Henry control more of France than the French king. They control all of Normandy, Anjou, Maine, Brittany, Ally, and then all of Aquitaine, which is pretty much the whole left side of France. So the whole um, west coast, all the way down to uh, like Toulouse, uh, is all under de facto, you know, the de facto king of England. Um, but again, this is how somebody inherited a great amount of wealth and land through their wife, because uh, she was the um, the only. Uh, the only um, the eldest surviving child of the um, Aquitanian uh, royal family as such um, so yeah that the Angevin Empire which then leads into uh, the most famous and my favourite dynasty or dynasty uh, in English monarchy history which is the Plantagenets um, because Geoffrey of Anjou his nickname was Plantagenet um, probably something in French that sounds like Plantagenet. Um, it's something to do with a little white flower that was his like um, his like personal symbol, um, which was a, which I think the the word is in for Plantagenet or something like that. Um, but that kind of became the the adopted surname, and therefore it birthed the Plantagenet dynasty, which we have, you know, Richard the Lionheart. Edward III, my favourite, you know, all the way up to the Wars of the Roses. Um, and it all comes out of the marriage of Matilda and Geoffrey of Anjou. So it's all linked quite nicely because we've mm. spoken about yeah. um, the Plantagenet kings um, and their dynasty, dynasty, whatever it is. Mm. Um, is dy- <laughs> dynasties uh, an American way of saying it, I would say. Dynasty yeah. is possibly yeah. an was, English yeah. way of saying it. Um, As a big American football fan, that's probably why I said dynasty, because it's something they say quite a lot, but yes, dynasty. Yeah. So, okay, I'm probably going to put you on the spot here. So what what, what would you say the legacy of the anarchy was? Would, yeah, like where, where mm. like why should we remember this? And why is it important? Okay, so there's, there's a couple of different levels to this. I think why should we remember this? Why should we read about it or learn about it. And I've got loads of books you can read if you want. Um, Because it's one of the coolest stories I've ever heard. It's the most Game of Thrones thing I've ever heard. But from a kind of a historical and more important point of view, it, it, it definitely shows the absolute lack of understanding of a potential female ruler. Because if there was, if there was just a little bit more of a, no, perfectly good queen. She'll have probably done a very good job, by the way. If people were just a little bit more on board with it, we probably wouldn't have had the anarchy. 
And think about it. We didn't have a queen until Mary I. You know, 400 years before a queen was even considered. And even then it was um, frowned upon, wasn't it? You know, Mary the most successful, partly because of her gender. Lady Jane Grey was definitely not successful, partly because of her gender. Oh, we love Jane. Elizabeth, we do, we do. You know, Mary Queen of Scots had a very, very tough time because she was Queen of Scots, not King of Scots. Elizabeth I had a very rough time of it with the succession. And it wasn't probably until Victoria that we got... And even then, Victoria was probably seen as less of a monarch, even though she, as Queen at the time, she ruled over more of the world than most people have ever even been to. Yeah. You know I, I mean, mean people... Of... She survived many assassination attempts <laughs> as well. Um, mm. Vicky, so... Which I know is no personal favourite of yours. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I love that period of time. But the, the legacy of, of the anarchy goes goes really deep in, a, in a, on a political, like, legal level. The importance of of royal command of, of, of castles and land after the anarchy. Obviously, all these local landowners, where they all had castles and bits of bobs of land. And Henry II had a very tough job of getting everything back under his direct control. So it set the precedent for, I don't want to say the divine right of kings, because that's a much later idea, but the idea that the king is the king under and no one else. Um, Henry II is, again, one of my personal favourites. He has one of the most exciting and, and interesting reigns. He has issues with the church, um, with the famous Beckyder. He has two of the most polarising sons in the history of the world, in uh, Richard the Lionheart and King John. Um, but he sets the stage for the whole... Um, you know, 12th and 13th century, you know, with like Magna Carta and things like that, because they don't want to return to the anarchy. Because, um, you know, it's still in recent memory to, you know, people writing the Magna Carta. Not now. Yeah. So, like you said, you've you've got some really, like, good books and stuff you've read. Like, what do you want to just shout some names out so if anyone else wants to read up further, they can? Absolutely. Just let me load my Goodreads. Um, and I will tell you what I've been reading because I've just read a book on Matilda, um, which was really, really good. Um, but, but, uh, so Matilda, um, Empress, Queen and Warrior by Catherine Hanley is a fantastic book. And it's what I based most of what I've just told you about. Um, basically, it goes into great detail about Matilda as a person. Um, and it really highlights her as a military commander, a politician and a queen um which in my heart she is and 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 i wish she was considered a um a queen of england unfortunately uh she isn't uh, we've also got the white ship which obviously goes into the details about the uh, kind of prequel to the anarchy and that's by charles spencer who has a very very famous sister that i didn't know diana yes did you not know that I had no idea until I'd read this book and Did then listened not? to a podcast with him on. He's written a couple of books um, about um, the Stuarts, actually. 
Yes. Um, and yeah, yeah making making a king or kingmaker or something like that. Um, mm. But yeah, he's he's a good author. I've read I've read both of his books about um, Charles, um, the the guy that lost his head. We know we've spoken about yeah. him. Um, <laughs> yeah, no no spoiler alerts here. You yes. Know this. So yeah, he's a he's a really good author. I really enjoyed him. But yeah, actually, it, it's quite a new book, isn't it? Because I think I saw it. Um, yeah, it only came out like um, I read it. As it came out, I was super excited to read this because the the white ship disaster and the and the run up to that, and in the, he does a really really good job of explaining the situation and the relationships between um, the conqueror and his sons. Yeah, and it goes into a lot more detail about how Henry the First became Henry the First rather than just being the the third surviving son of of a, of a Duke of Normandy. Mm. Um, does it go into but, detail about the actual the ship disaster and the people that? like yeah. how it happened and what happened because stuff like that like the mary rose i know that's a lot further down the line but that really mm. interests me um yeah the, the no, i the... definitely recommend reading that book oh great um, no i'll do that definitely i was i was listening to a a podcast with ben swan i think it was on the history extra history extra podcast uh, and he said that in doing the research for this because like you said he's he's a an early modernist first and foremost he's not a a medievalist at all um, he spent about a year researching just the um, maritime history of the white ship disaster. So it, it does go into a lot of detail about that. Mm. Can um, I just go into the Spencers quickly there? It's just jogged my memory mm. about something. So when uh, Princess Diana, well, Lady Diana Spencer married Charles, she was always uh, deemed a commoner. She's got more mm. royal blood in her veins than the actual royal family. Like they stem from uh, like a stronger line biologically than the the Queen Elizabeth II. Mm. Just a little fact for you there. Yeah. So she she wasn't a pauper at all, and she wasn't um, no. a, a, a a commoner. At all, no. <laughs> so just no, putting that out there. No, she's related to, um, or she was uh, Churchill. She, she's um, a, she's part of the Churchill, Churchill yeah. family as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but a third book that I would read if I if I was interested in this, and hopefully I've sold it to you, um, would be King of the North Wind: The Life of Henry the Second in Five Acts, and that's by Claudia Gold. Um, obviously, it goes into detail about Henry the Second, who is the son of Matilda. Uh, and that those kind of three books would probably frame this whole podcast episode really nicely in a much better way than I've probably explained it. No, no, I think you've explained it really well. And um, for someone that doesn't know much about this period of time, um, it is a lot clearer in my mind, definitely. Good. So I know I've really enjoyed that. Um, and I've enjoyed your drinking through it as well. That's given me joy. I'm glad you have. I'll be hung over by eight, eight o'clock tonight. Which, for those that aren't listening to this live, because we don't do that, is nine minutes away. Yes. Yes, it is. So, it's come to that part of the show again, where you get to plug, plug, plug. So, um, if you want to plug any of your work, any of your websites, Instagrams, social media, all that kind of stuff, please do it now. I shall. I will. Yes. So, I am Chris. You can find me personally on Instagram at chris riley underscore um i do post 
90% history um, and a little bit about my life. Follow me on there. If you don't care anything about me personally um, and you want just history, uh, I definitely recommend following um, the History Corner blog on Instagram, which is the Instagram account for the historycorner.org website, um, which is uh, my website that I co-own um, with a couple of chaps, um, where we have articles, uh, we have reviews, whether it's games or books. I've actually written a review of The White Ship by Charles Spencer on there. Um, so if you really want to read that and you really want to, I think, it's on there. Um, but yeah, the History Corner is the place to go, I would say, because Ollie's written some fantastic bits for us. Um, Paddy, who was on last episode, has written two wonderful articles on uh, Jon Snow, not that one, and <laughs> the Spanish Flu. Um, which I published a few days ago. Uh, they are both worth uh, checking out, as is all the other work that's on there. And that is Chris Riley, everyone. <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks again for coming on. It's always a pleasure. Um, and, yeah, I look forward to speaking to you about different topics very soon. No, thanks for having me, man. It's always a good, it's always a good laugh. Even when it's a drunken laugh. It's all good. Right, anyway, I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. See you soon, man, bye.